I'm Arya Schwartz along with my co-host Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Today we have the fearless leaders of the New York Liberty. We are honored to be joined by the New York Liberty head coach in his first podcast as head coach of the New York Liberty, Walt Hopkins, along with his co-mastermind, as we're calling him, Jonathan Cole. Welcome to the show, guys, and uh, let's hop right in. Well, thanks for, for joining us on the show. Um, this one's, the first question uh, is going to be for John, Liberty GM, it's a pretty sweet title. Um John, talk to me about the move to Brooklyn. I know for for fans and for anybody kind of in the know, there's always been this dark cloud uh, over the Liberty over the past recent times um, as far as, you know, where they're playing and and player movement as far as, you know, going up to the stadium and whatnot. Can you just talk to me, you know, what does Brooklyn do for the team? Um, and then I, I do want, you know, if you could comment a little bit about the the practice commute practice facilities and kind of the commute and how that's going to be affecting the team sure yeah so i'm not sure how many people were aware but we were practicing and living in brooklyn last year uh and are obviously playing games up in westchester but that was the first uh phase if you will that our ownership laid out was hey look we know you're not playing in brooklyn right now but let's get these players the experience of actually kind of living in the city um and it was huge our players very much enjoyed it um you know, the, the area itself speaks speaks for itself. Um, the people, uh, the culture, uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. Um, our fans are going to love this. Um, one of the things about Barclays Center that that's really important is the accessibility um, with the Atlantic Terminal right there. Uh, we're hopeful that fans that, that don't necessarily live in Brooklyn are going to be able to commute really easily. Um, and I think the arena itself is huge. Um, this place is just gorgeous. Um, I know Walt spent some time there recently at a Nets game. Um, I've been there. Um, and of course, we had the August 11th game last year and the Chinese national team game actually last May. Um, so our team's fairly familiar. Um, and it's going to be huge. Um, in terms of practice and everything this year, uh, same thing. We'll be we practicing living in Brooklyn. Um, and it's, we're really looking forward to not having those those long drives up to Westchester. Oh, that's awesome. And 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 will this also kind of affect I know that this is kind of over the head of every day to day fans, but the one of the things that you hear about the the powerhouse uh, teams in this league is, oh, you know, they have top top of the line uh, medical professionals or gear and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people are just curious now that, you know, you move from being associated with an NBA team to having a distance association, being up in Westchester, then moving into the same building. Is that going to be affected at all? Yeah. Um, one of the things um, that's been really positive is the Nets involvement. Um, you know, Walt, Walt knows this well too, but we were looking for a real collaboration here um, in regards yep. to resources. And we're still flushing out what that exactly looks like, but we have no doubt that this is going to be a collaborative environment where we are the beneficiaries of, of certain items that uh, maybe other teams don't have, but we're going to use that to our advantage. Awesome. And I guess this is kind of a question for both of you. So feel free to decide who takes it first. But uh, I know in in the press conference announcing you 
uh, Walt as as the new head coach. Uh, there is the question of have you been in touch with any of the players, specifically Tina Charles, kind of the big name face of the franchise. So I'm curious, you know, now that you've had a little bit of time uh, with the title as head coach, you know, has there been those discussions? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a chance to call almost everybody now. Um, I still have two players left on the list. Uh, kind of trying to juggle uh, a lot of things, you know, these types of things, podcasts and um, talking to players. Obviously, we're doing putting together our uh, list of people that we're going to review for uh, assistant coach positions. And uh, additionally, you know, scheduling um, everything that goes into planning out a season, mapping everything out. Um, so, but yes, I have, I have gotten a chance to talk to almost everybody. Yeah. Oh, and I'll, awesome. I'll just well, jump in off okay. that too, if you don't mind, which is, you know, I, I've spoken to players regarding the hiring and people are just ready to play. I can't tell you how many players were like, I just want to get back right now. So, um, People are really motivated by this and, and very excited. Um, so we're ready to get rolling. Not to not to put you guys in the hot seat, but I, I know that uh, if if my sources are correct, Tina Charles is a free agency. I know there's a lot that you can talk about, a lot that you can't talk about. Do you guys just want to, you know, bust down the door right now and just announce to the world right here on the podcast that you have some ignite, exciting news about Tina and the Liberty? <laughs> uh I'll I'll take that one. No, we, we, there's nothing we can say and, and it's exactly for the reasons you just said. Um we're waiting the news of the CBA and what the rules really are. Um so unfortunately until that time uh we can't comment but really excited to talk about it uh once once that's lifted. I'm I'm curious uh at, with your GM head on how that you know, we talk about the CBA and and the main focus, obviously, and, and probably rightfully so for a lot of the fans and people in the know is how this is going to affect the salaries of the players, the travel of the players, stuff, this, this and that. I'm yep. curious as a GM, you know, with the CBA up up in the air, you know, this could change. This could change. A, a lot of things are a possibility. How does that hamper your ability to do your job and put mm -hmm. together the best roster of, of this Liberty team? Really good question. Um, I wouldn't say it hampers anything. It's just you have to map out many different paths um, and many different scenarios. And then once those rules are, are unveiled, we'll go with the one that, that falls within those rules. Um, it's also operating under the old rules. Uh, up until free agency, that wasn't an issue. But in terms of cap planning and contract planning, um, things like that, we can only go with what we know. Um, we can't speculate. So it's just mapping out different different avenues and different paths. But um, it took more work, uh, but that's not an issue. And once it's up and running, we'll, we'll go with the path that makes the most sense. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, you're, you're GM, Walt's a new coach. Obviously, there's going to be a, a new system, a new style of play coming into this season. Um, when you look at the current roster, do you feel that, you know, to put this team on the upper echelon of this league, that there's many changes that need to, need to be made? Or do you feel more so that, uh, the coaching style is really going to shift this and really fully take advantage of this roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After that, you go ahead, quick is, yeah. yeah, no problem. It, for, for me, that, that's part of the main reasons of bringing Walt in, which is his development hat. Right. Um, and I think we talked about that during the press conference. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to continue to develop our existing roster to be really, really competitive and really good basketball players, but I'll let Walt take the rest of that in, in his vision. Yeah, they're, this group is, is loaded. Um, and like I was saying in the press conference, the way that it's made up, the way that it's currently constructed, we have a, a unique uh, set of skill sets on this roster with 
players who can not only shoot the three, but they can also put it on the floor. They can get to the rim. Um, they're athletic. It's not, it's not like you have a bunch of players who are just shooters or just slashers. You have basketball players. Um, and, and we have them kind of in spades and we have them multiple levels, uh, first string, second string. You know, we even have players who right now, as the team looks, are third string players who really would probably warrant um, a minute load on most teams, you know, that's closer to a second string or perhaps a first string player. So um, it's really going to be a matter of, like I was saying, again, in the press conference, of putting them in positions where they can succeed, putting them in the positions where they're best, trying to make sure that they're minimally in the positions where they feel, you know, less than optimally comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Walt, what is your ideal view of this team on the court? Uh, it's, you know, that's, that's probably a pretty nuanced um, question and answer, but I think the the goal for us going in and throughout the season is going to be growth. Um, it's going to be establishing an identity. It's not to find one because we have a very clear idea of what we want the team to look like, um, how we want to play. But a lot of that is determined by the team. A lot of that is determined by the players. And so some of this is going to be, uh, developing a feel for one another and developing a feel for where those players are the most comfortable. So I have, you know, myriad uh, different ways of analyzing how I think these players would be best utilized. But a big piece of that is going to be, what do they think? How do they feel? You know, there's actions that I might see that they're really effective in that maybe they really don't feel comfortable in. Maybe there was small usage rate in that action and, and you know, it was really efficient, but um, it's not ideal for them. So part of this is going to be like Jonathan was talking about with the Nets, it's going to be collaborative and a big part of professional athletes today. Um, and probably at any time, but the, the way that the coaching world is, is shifting, hopefully uh, more and more is that the players are going to have more agency in what they do. And coaches aren't seen as the center of knowledge, but more so facilitators of the growth of the players. Interesting. Coach, this is a great uh, opportunity for me to jump in. Rachel Galligan, so happy for you guys to, to be here joining us today. Um, congratulations Thank you. On, on your opportunity. Um, just kind of, you know, taking a step back, I know you you just, this was just announced, you know, your, your world is spinning kind of as, as you said, but um, I want to give the listeners and the fans an opportunity to kind of know you a little bit better. Um and kind of know, you know, a little bit about your background. I, I was really enjoying reading about you and everywhere you'd been and the things you've accomplished. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I just kind of, as a former coach myself, talking to another one, um, can you just kind of talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy? Um, not necessarily how you plan on playing necessarily, you know, philosophy means a lot of different things, but just what, what is your coaching philosophy? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. It's uh, again, it's a, it's a it's a great one because it's got so much nuance to it, right? There's yeah. um, a lot of arms and legs to a, a coaching philosophy, but I think the when you narrow it down, it's about how you treat people and how people feel on a given day, um, how you frame feedback, and that you're framing the way that you approach every single day really intentionally. Um, that's how you talk to players. That's the messaging that you're delivering consistently. I mean, whatever you say consistently and emphasize consistently is what the players are going to be good at. It's what they're going to know. Um, I think, you know, any of us who have been in a, a player's shoes, we know that 
more than anything, we generally want the coach to be happy with us. <laughs> we want to win. We want to enjoy our jobs, but it's really hard to play in a scenario where anytime you have a, a boss or a superior, or even a teammate who you don't feel that level of comfort and trust with, it's really hard to operate um, at your best. Mm-hmm. So a big part of the way that I've always approached coaching and it is informed by, I mean, you're absolutely right by my studies and by my different experiences, different places. Um, you know, I've gotten a chance to be around a lot of coaches, um, a lot of practices and a lot of players where I get to have candid one-on-one conversations that were outside of the team spectrum um, before I was uh, with Tulsa or, you know, in between Tulsa and Minnesota. And you, you get to hear kind of the way that certain things are absorbed by players. Um, certain coaching styles are either taken for the better, for the worse. Um, sometimes it's not bad, but it's just not optimal. It's just not maybe the best way to motivate somebody. And all players are created differently. And so, you know, the philosophy only works if you have the players that fit it. So you can, you know, you can talk all you want about analytics. You can talk all you want about positivity, but some players don't want praise all the time. They don't, they don't want to be told that they're great and and clapping, clapping, clapping. They want to be criticized. They want to be pushed. Um, Some players go so far as to say they want to be yelled at. And I think knowing, you know, getting to know and getting a feel for those players and knowing who fits you and who you fit with and uh, trying to maximize the, the chemistry, you know, with the players that you have on the court and with your coaching style. And obviously you have to be adaptable and so do the players, but ultimately you can only get so far toward each other's side before you feel like you're really bending too far, if that all makes sense. And so having a fit um, between organization, players, staff, it's just huge. And so my philosophy in regards to culture and um, personal development and uh, the mental approach to the game, they're all intertwined in the concept of having everybody focus on staying in the moment, um, growing, incremental growth day by day, uh, getting away from performance-based mentalities that are, you know, hyper-focused on wins, losses. How much did I score tonight? Did I go, you know, five for seven? What's my shooting percentage this season? Those types of things are unavoidable, and we get plenty of them from media. We get plenty of them from friends and family. You know, the players are always hearing from their parents that they need to shoot more. You know, their friends are in their ears telling them, you know, score more. You should have this role, and that stuff is unavoidable. So I would like, ideally, for the players to have a safe space when they come to work every day where they can come in and know that we are there to get better. We're not there to judge the performance, judge the wins and losses as much as we are to focus on getting better every day. And then the wins and losses come, the performance comes, but it comes as a result of focusing on your incremental growth and how you treat one another. First off, that was one of the best answers I think I've ever heard in a long time. So congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I, I want to expand on that because, you know, we, we do, we get so caught up in numbers-based performance and, 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 you know, things on, on pieces of paper stats. But one of the things that's so interesting about you is your knowledge um, and your education. You hold a master's degree from Harvard and UC Berkeley and a lot of that, um, the social developmental um, psychological aspect of everything you just talked about um, that I mean, you can't really measure that. Um, you know, that that's not something that is necessarily measured, but if you combine that with your experience in coaching, which we'll get to here in a second, do you really feel like that psychological aspect of the game is one of your biggest strengths? Definitely. Definitely. I think it was, 
it was really formative in, in starting coaching. I, I remember, so for instance, when I, when I was applying to Harvard, I originally applied for teacher education. I was going to, I had been coaching high school basketball and I had done some player development with, you know, mid to high level college players. Uh, at that time, I don't think I had worked with any pros and I had an idea of how I should do things. And it was, a lot of it was based on the ways that I was coached uh, as a kid and in high school. And it was the same kind of an idea of, you know, what did I take away from it that I really liked and the things that I really struggled with as a player um, that coaches would do. And so I, I built a lot of how I approached coaching based on those experiences. And then when I got to Harvard and I started studying, I was, I was in teacher education. I actually taught um, in Boston at, at Cambridge Ringe in Latin. I did the, the summer teaching program there. And I just realized that the medium wasn't the same. It was, it was, it was so different. It was, there was a level of intimacy that was missing um, in, at least in my short teaching experience that I really found a way to connect with players um, as a coach. It was harder for me to do that as a teacher in that one small space. And I understand if I would have stuck with it, I, I probably would have found my way, but um, it pushed me to kind of reapply, look at new programs. And, and I started studying um, social psychology and I started studying, I, I based my, my statement of purpose to get into Harvard as a teacher and a coach uh, around the concept of growth mindset. I was going to go play basketball. I was trying to go play overseas at one point. Um, I, I was figuring things out. You know, I was 20 years old or 19 years old, and I was going to go try and do that and not go the college route and maybe just go try and play a little bit overseas, just get the experience. And I was really frustrated. I was playing in a, in a city league game, you know, with very high uh, stakes, as you can imagine, um, <laughs> which it was just, you know, silly, YMCA basketball. And I was just really mad after a game, really mad at myself. Um, because of how I played and, and I was talking to a close, close friend of mine who actually I'm, I'm still very close with. His name is Dustin Gray. Um, he's been a coach for a really long time, does NBA player development stuff. And, and he had just read this book called Mindset. And so he tells me I need to read it, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm off the wall, frustrated as a 20 year old. And, you know, and so I read this book and, and it made me think of how I framed my feedback to the players I was working with. And I realized how often I was telling people, wow, you learn this really quickly, like, or wow, you really pick things up fast. And so if you're in an individual lesson with a player and you're incentivizing picking things up quickly, what you don't realize is that the implicit lesson in that is that they're thinking their value comes from learning quickly. So the first time they run into something that they don't do well, their response isn't going to be a positive one. They're going to get mad at themselves. Just right. like I always got mad at myself for not picking it up right away because I thought that was what was valuable about me, was my ability to pick things up quickly, not my ability to persevere through mistakes, through, you know, not being a natural talent at things. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, that, that long-winded way of getting to the answer to your question is that that's where all of the desire to study this stuff was born. It was because I read a book and I thought, man, this changes how I look at my development. This changes how I give feedback to my high school players. And I thought, what else is out there? I mean, how much more could I learn? Because it totally revolutionized the way that I approached my coaching. I saw the difference in the players. I saw the way they responded to the coaching and, and it worked. And I had this little Petri dish, you know, coaching JV basketball and, and assistant coaching varsity basketball on the girls' side. And I got to try this stuff and I just saw it work. And that's what led me to keep studying. And, and to this day, I use, I mean, everything I do is, is influenced in some way by the things that I've studied. And you, and you asked the question, you know, what, what else can I learn? And as, as we take on from that point onto the rest of your career, you know, you go on 
a few different stops. Um, you were at the collegiate level for a while, and then you got into the WNBA. You've, you've spent four years in the WNBA, um, three of those with Cheryl Reeve, you know, in the, in the Minnesota Lynx, which everyone knows. You were able to win a championship. Um, you, when you ask the question, what else can I learn? I mean, I, I, it would be hard-pressed to um, <laughs> be able to learn under anyone greater than her. Um, can you talk a little bit yeah. about that time with her, the experiences with Cheryl Reeve? What are some of the things that you've learned from her and, and how did she talk to you through this process? Yeah, she was uh, extremely influential um, in my development at this level. So there's obviously the all the stuff that we just discussed, I think of as being separate. You know, that was that was those were things I've developed coming into this position with the links a few years ago um, and I was able to bring those to the table along with my background in player development and that was what I think gave me the opportunity that's what that's what kind of got my name out there for her to even give me a call um, when I got there it was you know quickly apparent that I needed to learn scouting I needed to learn championship level preparation um, preparing for other teams I had been doing individual scouting on players. I, that was kind of my natural attunement was to watch a game and I would see individual movements. I would see tendencies and things like that. That, that already was there, but one of the biggest things I learned from Cheryl was how to look at the five-player action, you know, how to zoom out kind of. I'm, I'm really big on the nuance and on the little details of what makes a pick and roll work or, you know, uh, tendencies players have um, with moves and little ticks they might have. I was able to zoom out based on the things that she taught me um, from an X's and O's perspective. I'd say that that was the biggest thing I took away that scouting and that the, the amount of preparation Cheryl does is it's unheard of. I mean, and of all the coaches I've been around, I, I didn't get to be behind the scenes with Tara Vanderveer when I did my thesis at Cal, it was on Tara. I did a study on Tara and I went to her practices and things like that, but I didn't get to, you know, get, get into the coach's office and see how she prepared. And I'm sure it's, it's a very high level as well. Um, but of anyone that I've been around in the office, Cheryl, it's just unparalleled. I mean, she is such an amazingly hard worker. Um, so that it was kind of a, it was kind of a thing that you take away where you think, okay, this is what it takes. You know, you see that that level of preparation is what's necessary. Even when you have the best players in the world, you know, you have four of them or five of them with that team and you have Natasha Howard coming off the bench and Renee Montgomery. I mean, it was such a great team that was just loaded with talent, yet the preparation that she brought to the table was also instrumental in that team's success. And I don't think that team wins that championship that I was there for without the attention to detail that Cheryl brings. Um, in addition, the, the way that she'll, you know, help manage different egos and different personalities. Um, she's just really, she's, she's a master coach. And so absolutely to get to, to work with her and, and study her and, and get her feedback, you know, on my own, my own weaknesses, you know, coming into a practice and, you know, if I'm having a tough day or something and, you know, the leaders can't take a day off, um, you know, you have to, you have to bring it, you have to find a way to bring it for the players and because that's your job. And there were, there were things like that where there's just kind of that, that you get what you accept thing that I've said multiple times now. Um, you apply that to yourself too. You know, you're going to, you're going to get the, the effort that you accept from yourself and um, it, it applies to players and uh, relationships and everything. So 
I would say, again, similar to what I said in the press conference, those are the two things that I really walked away from that experience um, that I, I know that are going to influence the way that I coach for the rest of my life. So if anybody follows the links very closely, you have to know that they are a very superstitious team. So I need to know, has that superstition <laughs> been passed along to you? Are the Liberty about to be a superstitious team? <laughs> really, that's a really good question. Uh, I I don't think so. I think there might be a few a few little things here and there, um, but that was very much a Lynx thing. You know that was that was their thing, and I'm sure there's going to be organic Liberty traditions that that happened. You know amongst me and my staff and the players. Um, you know I don't know, Jonathan. Are you are you superstitious? I'm not superstitious, so uh, I'm excited to see what this is all about. But no, I, nothing for me. I don't wear the same shirt. If we win or anything like that, nothing crazy. Yeah, that that stuff is well, definitely it's a big part of the of the the Minnesota culture. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, there's some something's gonna make its way. I'm sure something will make its way. It 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 finds its way into your head. You know, if you're around it for long enough, it really does. It starts to kind of seep into your pores a little bit. So. Uh, I can imagine that I, I'm not even going to mean to do it, and there's going to be something. I'm going to worry about the suit that I wore when we lost a close game or something. It, it, it'll definitely be there. Great. Uh, <laughs> had to ask. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I've heard you name a few players uh, in, in a variety of different interviews, but if you could pick one player that you think uh, on this Liberty current roster who is really going to excel and benefit from your coaching style, uh, does does anybody jump off the page at you? So maybe even someone that the fans aren't expecting you to say. You know, it's it's hard for me to to narrow down the one player. I promise you, it's not a political answer. I'm not, you know, saying it because I I really do look at this group as being almost the entire core of young players as being ready to explode um, onto the scene. I, I just think there's unbelievable potential. Um, and I think it's been the beginnings of the development have already started. Uh, I don't, you know, it's not, it's not saying that everybody's going to be a candidate for most improved player next year or anything like that. I mean, these things take time, but I look at everything with a, with a pretty wide lens and, and a long view into the future. And so for some players, it might be uh, sooner rather than later, you know, Kia nurse is already all-star level talent. Um, there's, you know, smaller adjustments you can make with her that I think, could make a big difference there's players like marine who i think marine is is one of the most unique and most talented players in the league uh right now that we really haven't gotten to see a chance or gotten a chance to see her shine and her really show everybody what she's capable of but as i went through and i studied the team and i watched marine i was absolutely floored by the potential there um, she can really do things that I, I don't know for sure if I've ever been around uh, a player who has that that natural level of she's just got a, a swagger to her. She can make a jump shot from, you know, anywhere inside a half court off the dribble set. Um, she passes at an unbelievably high level. Um, she's got great size. You know, there's I could really I mean, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about each player in this regard and all of them from Han. Rebecca Allen, I, I feel like there's just so much room for growth. Obviously, we haven't gotten to see Asia Durr, a full season of a healthy Asia Durr, um, 
who I think is going to, you know, Jonathan speaks so highly of and, and has really gotten more of a chance to look at than I have. I haven't gotten to see Asia on the practice court or things like that, but I have, I'm really excited about her. Um, I watched her a lot in college at Louisville and uh, she's one of my favorite players in that draft. Um, I, there's, there's really, there's not a player on this roster out of that young core that I don't think has tremendous potential to continue to grow into, you know, making the ceilings as high as they want it to be. Last one for me, and, and this is kind of for both of you guys, um, the Liberty organization from the beginning of the WNBA era, it's one of the oldest organizations and we kind of are in this. And, and, and I guess it's not really a question as much as, as it is a statement for me. And I'm curious as your guys' thoughts on it. So please feel free to expand, but you know, it went from kind of feeling like it was a forgotten franchise these last few years um, for, for, the, for those of us who are not in it, um, for those of us who you know are, are in the media or not necessarily forgotten, but it's just, it's, it's, it's been a difficult time. You know, there's been a lot, but now all of a sudden you've got this new ownership, you, you, you've got this new venue, you've got all these new um, exciting um, news <laughs> headlines coming across a first round draft pick. It's, it's really hard for me to sit back and say, you know, like last year, a year ago, you know, everyone was talking about Vegas. Vegas is the, this hot destination in this place. And it's hard for me to step back and look at another franchise in the league right now that has as much excitement and potential surrounding it than the Liberty does right now. Is that kind of your guys' mentality with it as well? And, and is that part of what was so appealing to this job for you, Walt? Jonathan, you want to start on that one? Sure. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I, at the press conference afterwards, uh, there was media around there and I looked around and I just said, there's a vibe here. And, and I really mean that when you're in that building and you see our logo up on the screens, um, there's something special starting and um, everyone can kind of feel it just to what you're saying, Rachel. And I think as we continue to go through, you know, free agency and the draft and we get into camp and we get into our first home game, um, it's just going to continue to build. Um, this is a storied franchise. This is a legendary franchise. It has a fan base that is un unmatched. Um, people traveled all the way to Westchester. And when they're there, they're wearing their shirts from the 90s. Uh, and they're proud to do it. And they're doing it because they want to show that they were here from the start. Um, and they deserve the best. And so um, I can't wait for those fans to join us on a full-time basis in Brooklyn. Um, it's going to be a very exciting and, and more than exciting. It's going to be a really special atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's really well said. I think that to your question, Rachel, that if it influenced um, my decision and I, I've spoken on this kind of at length and I, and I will continue to say it, that it, this is really a decision I made about the people. Uh, the people that I interviewed with, with Jonathan, spending a lot of time talking to Jonathan throughout the process. And it was one of those instances where we just, we really felt the synergy, I think. Um, I, I know I did, even from the first time we sat down. I didn't necessarily expect there to be. Um, I didn't know Jonathan very well. Uh, I didn't know much about the Liberties, um, you know, inner workings or the ownership or things like that. I just knew kind of what was on the outside. And then the deeper in that I got, the more I realized just how great of a fit this was uh, in terms of both of our vision. It, it just really aligns. Um, and that, that goes with ownership as well. And I think that the, the venue really is great. It's exciting. Um, it's not, it's probably not even in the top 10 for me, though, of the things that 
really pushed me toward this job. You know, the, the team, the, the makeup of the roster, I think the fit in terms of it being a young group that I, I feel like can be molded into something really special. Um, their skill sets fitting the way that I think I would like to play and my skill set as a player development coach, um, being in pick and roll and in teaching shooting and, and different finishes and things like that. This group, I think, has the potential to, to really grow their games based on some of the things that I really have specialized in um, so far in my career. And so it's exciting when you see that kind of a, a match where you think, you know, man, I can, they don't have this stuff yet. You know, they, there's some players have some of it, but I know I can walk in and add to these players' games. And uh, so, the, you know, the, the people, the players, um, obviously the fact that it's Brooklyn is unbelievable. Um, it's, it, as we spoke about too, you know, having my dad be born in Brooklyn and, and there being kind of a kinship there is, is exciting and kind of fun icing on the cake, but, but really the, the crux of it is, is the people that I get to work with. So uh, I, I got to ask the question about your staff. Uh, I know it's a hot topic and I know this might be a little bit of a hot seat question. So two part question. One, do you have a timetable of, of an ideal timetable of when, you know, maybe realistically or, or when uh, ideally you would have a, a complete staff by? And then also, if you have a comment, I saw on the Star Tribune today, there was reports that came out that Shelly P uh, is also going to be leaving the links and joining your staff. And I was curious if you had a comment on that. Is she going to show up on our podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> okay. I was like, I think he's pleading with this. <laughs> no. Uh, so first of all, in terms of the timeline, it's, it's as soon as possible. It's something I'm going to jump on. Um, I would love to have Shelly Patterson. I have a great relationship with Shelly. Um, I can't comment as to whether or not she's going to be coming with me or, or you know, what that's going to look like. Um, but I can tell you that I'd love to have her. I mean, I loved working with her and she's a wealth of knowledge and, and just a beautiful, beautiful person. And, um, that the person part is the piece that I, you know, would love. Um, and on, on any staff, she would be a boon, um, to any head coach. So I think, uh, but in terms of the, the larger piece of putting together a full staff, you know, as, as quickly as I can. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm already in the process of, I've gotten a lot of emails and a lot of calls and, and, you know, we're sitting down, Jonathan and I are, are sifting through and talking about who we think would be good fits and, and who we want to follow up on and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, it'd be hard for me to give you a, a direct timeline just because I don't know, you know, where everybody else stands, how long that's all going to take, but we're, we're on it for sure. This, this was really just my way of finding out whether or not I got the job, but you know, <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> no, I, I I'm staying in DC. I'm not. I'm not. I, don't, I can't do the big city of New York. But I I really okay. appreciate. Okay. Oh darn it! Because I was gonna hire you. Oh, oh, man, oh. I wish I, wish I would have known that. I was, Trust you me. Don't, right. don't even. All right. Blow his head I'll, up. I'll go to option. I'll go to option B now. All right. <laughs> well, we we appreciate your time very much. So I know you guys are busy on the road, uh, scouting players and probably you know doing all the cool stuff that GMs and head coaches get to do. So we really appreciate you taking the time uh, and uh, thank you and best luck on the, uh, the near future and the long future. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks yeah, for having thanks us. Thanks you too.
This has been the Windsider Show. As always, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do. 